I used to have problems with the question, so what do you do? You know, so what do you do? Well, you know, now I'm not afraid to say that I'm a mental health advocate and I'm a veteran. Hi. I'm Lance, and this is Unsilent, a speak series by No Stigmas that champions mental health advocacy and challenges the stigmas that all too often prevent people from getting the help they need. We're so glad you're here. In today's episode, we get to know Jason. Now, Jason is a veteran, but also opens up and shares his life experiences with schizophrenia. In today's second part of our two-part conversation with Jason, he really opens up about what it was like to have this intervention from his family to help him truly seek treatment and healing. He also opens up about some of the tools and skills that he uses to truly live with his schizophrenia and to pursue his happiest and best life. And remember, be sure to check out part one of Jason's story to really get to know his background, linked in the show notes below. We're so thankful to Jason for sharing his story with us and opening up to us today. We know he truly does put his advocacy in action. All right, let's dive in. Well, you know, the police kind of came to my parents' house and put me in handcuffs in the uh, driveway. And then, you, well, it's just like, if I, if I can get help, this is how I was gonna get help. Even though I felt betrayed for my, by my parents at the time, um, whatever's going on in my mind, I could get help. I, I honestly thought that, even though, you know, it, it was hard to accept because just the, you know, the voices, you usually hear voices about schizophrenia, like make-believe or like demons or whatnot. My, my, I, you know, they're people I knew. But after a while, I realized this was schizophrenia. And, you know, in, in, in the military, I experienced this thing called uh, thought broadcasting. That's when you're in your crowd and you think your thoughts can be seen by all these soldiers. So I saw that and then I, and I, I did something weird. I, I said it out loud when I thought I was thinking what they thought I could see and they were just like, what the heck is this guy doing? I was a heavy smoker at the time and I had this purple, purple pickup truck and I needed gas and I needed cigarettes. And they weren't given to me because they heard from this, there's this group therapy they, that uh, I probably won't get help until I hit rock bottom. So they weren't going to give me any money for gas, any money for cigarettes. I just, I just quit my job on uh, delivering pizza because I was jumped. They didn't take my money, but I was just jumped by some guys in the neighborhood I was delivering pizza at. And so... I actually drove to Roanoke, Virginia. This I, my parents lived in Richmond, Virginia, and I was I kind of went on my brother's side porch and kind of fell asleep. He came home. He had already talked to my my parents, and he's like, "What are you doing here?" He was walking already. He was he had two kids, and you know he didn't want a brother like taking advantage. Is what I think I would have done if he accepted me in, and I was like, "Okay." I, he doesn't want me, so I guess I'll just go back to Richmond. So I went back to Richmond, and um, mom, my mom fed me, and then that's when she called the police, and they took me away. And in, in the psych ward, I, it's just, I, I was kind of long for the ride. I didn't know what they were doing, but I was on medication. I was willing to take medication. And the medication really started working when I was at that homeless respite. Um, and that's when I knew I accepted my illness with schizophrenia and I knew, yeah, this is, this is what I've been experiencing. 
I wouldn't change a thing because that was the only way I was willing to get help. And, you know, this is kind of a side note. I, I grew up in the 90s during Rodney King. And those police officers had black gloves. The police officer who went to my house had black gloves. And I was like, I better do what I'm told or they're going to beat the crap out of me. And um, they were nice. I, I, you know, and, you know, I, they, now, honestly, I'm all all in favor to having like a social worker or a counselor go, go to these uh, crisis interventions before the police, you know? I'll be in favor of that, but it, it's the only way I would have gotten help, honestly. I, I, I agree with the social worker and counselor. Um, I think the police should put away their shields and their guns and everything and try to talk to somebody. It was fun. They treated me with respect. They heard I was in the United States Army. Um, actually, you know, I was pretty much broke, and there was this cr crime hotline thing where you call for a tip on the line, and if they use your tip, you can get $1,000. So I would go in the roughest part of town with a hammer, and I would try to talk to people with my mind, and I was would call this hotline all the time. So they kind of knew I was on their radar. You know, I think I called so much that they called my parents' house and my mom answered and she said, like, she, he's got mental health issues. Um, you know, but just think a hammer. That's violent. And I'm being honest here. You know, it's just some people, they, they need the police to come. Other people, maybe just a social worker and counselor. I would rather have that more than anything else. I got started writing at my Aunt Faye's house. I Googled narratives or first portioning out of schizophrenia and the schizophrenia bulletin came out. And that's an Oxford University Press um, academic journal. And um, I like to think I, my first portion accounts are lived experience with schizophrenia. Not necessarily telling people how to live the life if they have schizophrenia, but seeing what I do. And maybe it will work with them, maybe it won't. Um, I recently wrote, it hasn't been published yet, but thinking through a delusion. I, th I thought uh, it was the weekend. I was in my apartment watching TV, and I thought, I heard my, uh, my neighbor said, I want to know why he's alone. And, I was, and, I, and to this day, I'm not 100% sure if that was a voice in my head or if that was actually my neighbor. And, and it's just like, if they want me, they can knock on my door, you know, if they want to talk to me or see me through. And then the following night after that, I heard, he's a schizo. And I was like, oh, I hope they didn't, don't really think that. <laughs> but again, that's another thing. But the important thing is when you're unsure, don't react. That's my advice for anybody living with schizophrenia. When you're unsure where your voices are coming from, don't react. Don't open the door and say, shut up, you, you know, you know, anything. Now, I, I really, I'm really trying not to fit people's stereotype of a person living with schizophrenia because it's still, it's, it's a bad stereotype out there. And, you know, I, I, I'm still learning how to meet somebody and share my illness with them, you know, uh, like uh, help help them understand about schizophrenia. For the most part, I don't disclose that because it's just you can be taken advantage of. They can reject you, and it's it, that's just the reality of it. 
you know. So I, I try to be nice to my neighbors. I try not to look reclusive. Um, you know, I say, hey, how's it going? My neighbor also likes to smoke a lot of cigarettes. And I was like, yeah, I used to smoke cigarettes. They had a hold on me. I had to quit. You got, you should quit too, you know, chat. Anxiety and depression, I'm going to go out on a limb, though. might be a little bit more accepted than schizophrenia. And, you know, I, I'm still learning when should I tell people I'm schizophrenic because I've told one person and he doesn't talk to me anymore. Um, he's a neighbor. He has a fiance. Uh, you know, and the thing is, he asked me for money, which was interesting. After that, that kind of, I rarely say hi to him because he asked me for money. My mom's my editor, helps me with my writing. I can tell my dad and my mom everything. And that's that's the type of relationship I wish I had more of. I don't want to take advantage of my parents because I'm a 41-year-old man and we still hang out. And I, I wonder what, how that looks that, you know, I, I'm not having a real job. I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. Well, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my life now, honestly. It's just, yeah, I was in uh, therapy in Richmond, Virginia with a psychologist who we were just good friends in Richmond. And um, she let me see the man, the diagnostic manual for schizoaffective. And I saw thought broadcasting for voices. I saw commentary. I really think for person with schizophrenia, they should see this manual. See the actual, actually what it's called, like thought broadcasting. I think I mentioned that uh, is when you're in a crowd and you think people can see your thoughts or read your thoughts. Um, and that's how it was in the army with, with, with me. I don't know what it was at the time. I thought it was special powers, but you know. And then commentaries, you often you you hear voices and they're saying, "Oh, he's drinking coffee. He's walking down the steps," you know. And that's another thing, you know. So I think counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists should tell their patients what they're experiencing. And that is, it's textbook schizophrenia. You're not alone. A lot of people that go through this. It's in the manual. Well, my my parents uh, decided not to help me get buy cigarettes or put gas in my car because I wouldn't take the medicine. I wouldn't get help. So if you can get a loved one to maybe go to therapy, um, that might work. I think uh, therapy is a little bit more socially accepted now, and there's help that better help. You can get help on your phone, so you don't even have to go to an office. Anymore. You know, um, maybe go for therapy, and and in time, maybe they will um, say, "Yeah, I need to be on medicine, um, whatever." I, I can't say this enough. I had to hit bottom to get help, you know. And even when I was in the psych ward, I still thought I had special powers and nobody understood. And it just it, therapy, take medication, um, write in a journal to help you with your therapist, I guess. I talk to my neighbors just to hear their voice. So if I hear a voice and I think it's them, I know it's not coming from them. So be be, be a nice neighbor. Say, hey, how's it going? My name's Jason. I just moved in. Um, and so what do you, I've, I've, I used to have problems with the question. So what do you do? You know, so what do you do? Well, you know, now I'm not afraid to say that I'm a mental health advocate and I'm a veteran, you know, so I think everybody can an answer that question for themselves, but you know, it's, it's just, you know, I, I live in a neighborhood where I can walk to have a, to this restaurant, to have a nice breakfast, 
and the waitresses pretty much know me. I'm by myself. I, I usually watch the TV in there or play with my phone and I don't mess with anybody and they kind of accept that. Um, it's, just, it's just, it makes me feel good to talk to my neighbors. See, they'll, they'll smile like, hey, how's it going? It's that guy who lives on the second floor. <laughs> you know, what is there, what is not really there? I'm walking and I hold a voice say, get out of the way, look around, nobody's there. That's just a voice in my head. Mindfulness is, that may help uh, young adults see they have a mental illness when they are mindful. You know, maybe that should be in therapy too. You know, you know. Figuring out what's real and what's not real is my constant battle with schizophrenia. Uh, that was it. I just I've, I've dealt with this so long that I, I just kind of tune it out, distract myself with TV and music. I can't watch that enough. Distract yourself from your symptoms. Check your check the evidence. So I look through my peephole to see if I hear a voice. Is it my neighbor? Is it in my head? You know, my nephew or my, my brother's kid was man enough to say, I need help with my anxiety. And he's seeing a therapist. That's awesome. When you're man enough or woman enough to say, I need help. It's okay to ask for help. I mean, there's these cheesy commercials on TV with the, the with the man at the bench press saying, oh, and the guy said, do you want some help? Let me help you. No, man, I can do this. You don't know how my family is. You know, have you seen that commercial? That was a good analogy. I like that, you know? And it's just like, I'm afraid to ask for help, you know? That's the most important thing. Uh, write, write your story. You don't have to send it anywhere, but with, with your therapist, with your doctor, share that. Uh, you mentioned mindfulness or anchor, being anchored. Uh, you know, know, know what's real and what's not real. Life is good, God is good. I am I, I am living in the best place I've ever lived at. Um, it's just it's just very positive, happy time for me right now. To go beyond the show, be sure to connect with us on all social media platforms at No Stigmas. And you can always reach out at nostigmas.org to connect with us and see how we can team up together to champion mental health equity for all. Remember, to break these stigmas, we must be unsilent. We'll see you next time.